Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast, where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Anderson, and today we have Martino Motorsports with us. What's up, guys? How's it going? Introduce yourselves and uh, where are you from? I do it, Kieran. It's Ryan and Tom Martino. Ryan over here, Tom over here. We're part of the father-son duo Martino Motorsports out of Youngstown, Ohio, national drag racing standouts and former world champions in NHRA and PDRA competition. Rad. So you're, uh, you got drag cars. Your dad and you uh, are super into racing, obviously, and uh, you're traveling uh, doing that, right? Yeah, our season's April through October, and we travel mainly throughout the Midwest and East Coast, including stops in uh, North and South Carolina, Virginia, so we're all up and down the East Coast and Midwest, even though racing's offered from California all the way over through Maine to Florida. Our season, typically, we try to keep it within a 14-hour window because we travel and have to be back at work on Monday. And our best five out of eight finishes in NHRA count for points, so we kind of strategize where we're going based on uh, location and territory and who our competition is going to be. And then PDRA, it's your top eight out of eight finishes. And fortunately, those races are within a 12-hour window for us on their schedule. What's your what's your guys' nine-to-fives, your normal jobs? I, I'm a retired truck driver for a big grocery chain here based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And then in the winter months, I pick up a job, which is salt life for real. I, I salt the roads of Ohio. I work for the Ohio Department of Transportation. I plow the roads and salt the roads. So I have the real salt life wow. in the winter. <laughs> and I'm a bailiff for a common wow. police judge in our Mahoning County, which is our county. And there's 88 counties in Ohio, and our county is probably one of the most active as far as uh, criminal and civil litigation go in our community. Wow, that's amazing. So how, how did you guys get into drag racing? Well, it started back in uh, in the late 60s, early 70s when I was in, in my early teens. A lot of guys came back from Vietnam. The same story you hear all the time in all the TV shows and stuff. But all the guys come back from Nam, and they all bought muscle cars. The 68, 69 Camaros, GTOs, Mustangs, everybody had money left over from the service. So they were buying cars and racing on the street and racing in, in the neighborhood and used to hang out at their houses or their garages and just hang out with the older guys and learn about how to build a motor, how to build a transmission, how to change the clutch. And then as it, it grew into friendships with these guys. Once in a while, you'd be able to catch a ride to the track on Sunday or Saturday and watch them race. And when the funny cars or the top fuel cars would come on the, on the circuit to our part of Ohio, these guys would take you under their wing and take you to the races with them. So an early bite from the bug of speed at an early age. That's awesome. And then as far as I go, I grew up at the racetrack with my dad and obviously didn't realize the empire that he had going. So I'd be trying to occupy my time by chasing other kids around the pit area, other families that race with us, racing them with their hot wheels or big wheels or anything that we can get our hands on, just trying to live in my, my dad's winning footsteps. And eventually when I got old enough to appreciate what he was doing, uh, he took me under my wing and became a race engineer for the race program. And ever since we've been hitting it hard every year, being a contender for a championship every year, winning races and finishing in the top five in uh, national world point standings. That's amazing. Have you guys raced any any races in California? 
No, never been to California. As far west as St. Louis. Okay. That's as far as west we go. But I've, I've been to races at other places in the country just to spectate. But yep. as far west as we go is St. Louis, Missouri. But if anyone's listening and wants to send us out west, we're willing to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want you guys to come out west so I can watch, too. That'd be great to do. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Tell us a bit about your drag car. Yeah. What do you got for motor and... uh Obviously, we, you know, you had a tornado warning yesterday. We were trying to do this podcast yesterday, <laughs> and sure enough, a tornado is rolling through in Ohio. Yeah. So I should have known better. It was, but uh, I'm stoked. I'm stoked we got you guys back yeah. on. But yeah, give us a little rundown on your car. And uh, I was asking yesterday that the difference between the big tires in the back and the small tires in the front and yeah. everything, just uh, so everybody knows. Yeah. The car is 265 inches, spindle to spindle, they call it. The wheelbase is 265 inches. It's a big block Chevy format. It's aluminum block, aluminum head, two carburetors, and a 665 cubic inches. And it's injected with about 1,000 horsepower of nitrous oxide. Not nitromethane, nitrous oxide. The same stuff the dentist uses to put you to sleep and make you happy when he's grinding on your teeth. We use the same nitrous oxide, but they put sulfur in it so you can't snort it, tweet it, whatever. So they make sure you can't get to it. So they put sulfur in it, and then you just buy that, buy the big tanks, put little tanks on the back of the race car, and inject the car through the motor, through fuel injection fittings to make power. That's a two-speed transmission. It's got 14-inch tires on the back, big fat ones in the back, little skinny ones in the front. Big wing, and then it's naturally got two parachutes on the back to stop it. So our car will cover the quarter mile in just under 6.2 seconds at speeds of over 220 miles an hour. And we're in the eighth mile format. Our car is covering the the eighth mile in about 3.9 seconds at 180 miles an hour. We're covering 60 foot in less than a second, going about three and a half Gs at the launch and a negative 1.5 through the finish line. And just to give you a, a gauge of what 3.5 Gs is on the launch, I think a space shuttle going to the moon is probably about uh, 2.8 to 3 Gs at launch. Are you kidding? Yeah, absolutely. No. Stuff happens wow. quick. Yeah. When, when you hit the go button, if the helmet smacks you, it's back a roll cage, you see stars, it's a good pass. That's that's awesome. Because we wear a Hans device and a helmet, naturally, and the roll cage is right behind your head. And if it yeah. if it hooks up hard and the air is right and everything's everything's lined up right, if your helmet hits the back of the roll cage, which is padded, you'll see a little bit of stars. But that's the best. That's good. Then, then you know you're on a good pass. Then you know you're going. You're hauling ass. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's awesome. What kind of tires do you guys use? We run Mickey Thompson tires in the front and the rear. We've been together with Mickey okay. Thompson since the late seventies, early eighties. And it just is something that, you know, it's a Ohio-based company, and we we're proud to carry the Ohio-based company with us. And those are the best hooking tires. They call them Sticky Mickeys for a reason. Uh, we use them on our daily drivers, and a lot of people in the off-road industry use those. Uh, a lot of the tuner and JDM scene use those tires as well for street and strip applications. And we're just uh, happy with those tires. So when we started off with our tire program, we started off with a 17-inch tire because that's the tire that they offered and recommended. And since we've done R&D with Mickey Thompson, then they come up with this 14.5 wide tire that actually grows only uh, two to three inches under full power. The other tires would go from 17 to about 12 or 11. And if there was a little wiggle room in there during the pass, it would cause what's called tire shake. And it basically would 
be like the equivalent of putting you inside of an earthquake in the car and just shaking you to death and knocking <laughs> your teeth out. So we definitely don't want that happening. But this new tire with Mickey Thompson designed to throw as much power as we can at it, and it hooks up and goes A to B every pass. That's awesome. How, how does weather get involved with drag racing? Obviously, rain is slippery and stuff, but yesterday you were kind of mentioning hot weather versus cold weather. Give me a little rundown on that. What we do is we run a, there's a big computer system in the trailer, which, which monitors the weather continuously. So what we do is we race in what they call corrected altitude, which takes the, the temperature of the barometer and it goes into a formula and it tells you where you're actually at. So say you're, you're at a thousand foot. Well, the closer to sea level, the better the oxygen. So the closer to zero, the better the oxygen. So if you're a thousand foot natural, then you put in 95 degree weather with 100% humidity, with water grains, blah, blah, blah. You might be actually racing at 3,500 altitude, 3,500 foot at the track you're at because the weather, everything's formulated in this computer. So you have to tune for the weather that you're, you're correct at altitude. So the closer to the ocean you go, the closer to zero you are, the better the air is. And then what we do is we count water grains too because the humidity is one thing, but water grains per thousand is different because you cannot burn water. So if the water, it could be 85 degrees and 50% humidity and 20% water grains, which is great, but you can't burn water. So that's why the car runs slow. So you either got to add fuel, add nitrous, pull timing, add timing to burn the water that's actually in the air. So what we'll do is we basically have the National Weather Service in our trailer. And before we go to the racetrack, we have a, they have uh, formulas, they have uh, apps that are available to check out the corrected altitude of some of these tracks. So in the Midwest, in the middle of the summer, a bad day is going to be about 42 to 4,500 foot corrected altitude, which is just nasty. You can't even go outside without sweating, which the Salt Lake gear comes in handy because you don't want to have that moisture weighing you down. Yeah. And believe me, that Salt Life works when it's cold and warm. And then when we go on the East Coast, this past weekend, we were at Virginia Motorsports Park, and the corrected altitude was 800-foot altitude. So it was a big, drastic difference. So when the air is that good, we want to make sure we don't burn our motor up because the air conditions are what we call mine shaft. And when that car uh, fires up, it's just running a whole different combination. We don't have fuel injection in that car with programs to correct itself. We have to actually correct the performance of that motor so we don't burn the motor up. How often are you guys replacing the motor? Well, this year we went through three motors, but every, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was a couple of mistakes there here and there, but usually every 40 to 50 runs, you got to put rods, pistons, and valve springs in the motor just for general maintenance to get those rods out. Because what you're doing is every time that motor cycles, you're forcing nitrous oxide in the motor and it's pushing the piston yep. down on the bearing instead of floating like your streetcar does. Everything is nice and everything's happy in a streetcar. The rods are happy, the bearings are happy because they're but you're forcing air and combustion into the cylinders that's pushing the bearings down. It's pushing the piston back down instead of naturally going down on the crankshaft. So you're forcing everything down and parts just eat and detonate and then they disappear and they break and make big holes inside of the block and not good. But a lot of our the sponsors we have on our race program have developed technology where 10 years ago, we were only getting 15 runs out of a part and because of the evolution with 3D printing and technology and engineering students learning more and more and more about the way technology has evolved. 
they put those applications in the racing industry and we're now seeing you know 50 65 runs out of a motor and typically during a race season we can go the whole season without even touching the motor just doing our basic maintenance you know checking the valves and just going through the valve train changing oil a funny fact is we change our you know everybody's car you know change your oil at 6500 miles or 3000 miles and we got to change ours probably <laughs> a lot more uh reasonable is probably about 10, every 10 15 runs we got to change oil in our car wow there's a full-time science of cutting. What we do is we come back after after a race, we cut the oil filter apart and always check for metal and any strange objects in the oil filter. So you cut the top of the oil filter off, you pull the filament out, and you actually read the oil filter so you know what's going on inside the motor. So that's a big key. Yep. A, a little sidebar about weather. Ryan played college football for Youngstown State University, and I would go racing. And I'd be on the cell phone. He'd have his cell phone hidden in his dorm room. And I'd be calling him, giving him weather updates to give me tune-ups while he was at college camp in the summer doing double sessions. He'd have to get back to me and give me the weather ratings or the weather readings for the motor on how to set the motor up from his dorm room in college. That's funny. <laughs> that is so rad. Yeah. What, uh, what, what octane do you guys use? We run, you're running. we run a VP racing fuels. It's called C23. It's actually okay. 123 octane leaded fuel. Wow. And some of the competitors we race against run different combination engine wise. So they'll run uh, alcohol in their race performance motor and some run less octane than we run. But that's the most forgiving fuel for a nitrous big inch cubic inch combination. There's so much math that goes into to drag racing, how, how does that correlate with like reaction times and obviously setting the parachutes and stuff like that? Stuff can happen very quick. I'm talking, we win or lose yeah. races by 10 thousandths of a second and uh, you just got to be in tune. So we do a, a good uh, weight training program in the off season and during the season, anything we can to practice reaction time. Uh, there's a lot of tennis ball trills we do, uh, you know, and then like obviously Youngstown's known for boxing. We'll do some boxing stuff where you hold up mitts and try to get it. You just want to be as in tune as you can with the race car. It's kind of like a dance partner, like you're doing some kind of dance and you got to read your partner and be at one with the car when you're going on the track. Uh, the most important part of the race is, like you stated, is reaction time. And you got to know when to abort the run as well. So stuff can be going really well and you hit a, hit a wet spot or a greasy spot on the track. And that car gets out of control. And the fastest way to, to stop the car or stop it from doing anything crazy is to lift out the throttle and throw the parachute. So you got to be right on it. Mm-hmm. And on most of our racetracks are quarter-mile application, and they have a half-mile of shutdown. But when you're going 220, then a half-mile, you burn it up pretty quick. So as soon as you cross the finish line, there's a sequence of shutting the car down, and you got to be right on the chutes right away so you could uh, enjoy that win. He was uh, actually on national TV on Fox Sports 1, and we won a big race this year at Maple Grove, and they have what's called wind lights on the guardrail. So you want to go by these wind lights, and you want to have them lit every time you go down a track, but it was the final round, and he went by looking for the wind light, and they're a little bit deeper than normal on some of these tracks, and he forgot to throw the parachute. So at the end of the track, there's usually what's called the beach, where it slows your car down. You go into the sand trap. But at this track, before the beach, they had a cutoff access road. So he made the exit off the track on TV, and it actually was oncoming traffic. They have toll gates like a railroad. They'd no come way. Down, and he was head-to-head with some cars thinking they were going to play chicken with them. <laughs> so he waved to the fans and got to enjoy that win and yeah. back them off the track and get them off the track right up to the victory lane. 
So we have a lot of wow. we have a lot of parents that stop by with their kids. We put them in the car and explain the car to them. But we we, all, we always tell the kids, like you're saying, math is very important. You have to know how to figure out the computers, math ratios, fuel ratios. You have to weigh the nitrous bottles after every pass. We've had kids come in the trailer and help us weigh bottles. It, math is the key to racing. So if you want to, if you if you if you have a bug as a kid, you want to go racing. Math is your biggest a- asset to help you because if you can't figure out one plus one is two and figure it out, you're not going to work because that whole motor is is set up on clearances, micrometer fittings, everything in that motor is machined to, is is a machined part. So math is the biggest key. Yeah. Just like everything else, and I mean, you, you got to be able to count the money at the end of the day. So you got to be a, be good at math. Yeah. yeah, we're big with STEM education too. So we're big in in promoting all aspects of STEM and even STEAM now, adding the art factor in there. We're tied in with our local and regional STEM centers, trying to get kids motivated to to do the things I did as a kid. You know, learn and do experiments, learn how things work together, and learn how things work. So we're we're looking forward to a strong off season working with these STEM programs. They're a little bit tougher to do during the season, but in the winter we dedicate uh, a day a week to spend with our local STEM centers and try to educate families about uh, science, uh, technology, engineering, uh, art, math, you name it. We're, we're big advocates on getting the next generation tuned in and ready for what's out there in the real world. During your season, how how often are you guys uh, prepping the car and on the road? We're out almost every other weekend. Okay. almost the, the On the off weekends, you're doing maintenance on the motorhome, the trailer, the race car, so you need an actual actual weekend to do your your truck trailer and car maintenance. Plus you have to cut the grass at the house and paint the house and do the honeydew list on your off weekend. So yeah. So every other weekend is a good ratio. And then if we do, we're booked in the car shows too on the, on the off weekends, we do public appearances. We do car shows. We'll take the car down and set it up with the truck trailer and car and pass out hero cards and pass out samples and, 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 and you know, meet and greet the fans. And there's four or five big car shows in town that, that call us up religiously and book us into a car show. Okay, can you do this weekend? No. How about this weekend? That's awesome. And they promote it on yeah, they promote it on the radio and stuff. So we get a big fan base at the car shows too. In our community, we're very active in our community with like I said, the SEM centers, the local library, the you know, the Friends of Fido, which is an organization that assists dogs with trying to place them from the pound to a forever home. And we're active, so active that uh, two years ago, the mayor of our community gave us a key to the city, which is, I think, we're on a list with Batman right now as far as people with keys to the city. But they, it's nice they recognize all we do for our community, and we carry our community on our back when we're across the country racing. And when we won a world championship a couple of years ago, uh, it was almost like we pull off the highway and everybody wants to give you a big hug. It's awesome to see people cheering us on from all over the world, but when our community's behind us and we get to go home with these people that are, that are part of our community and home, it's just something special. That really, that's truly amazing. That's super cool. They have a a Christmas tree lighting downtown and they have a a Christmas parade and we always get a convertible off our friends at Haas Automotive. They give us whatever the leading convertible is. So we have to, you know, this third week of December, we're driving a convertible in a parade but you get the awesome. you, you get the heater on high and stuff, but you kind of look cool in it because it's freezing outside. And you get the, they, yeah. you go past the review stand and, and they introduce you and then and, and the people of town really appreciate that there's another champion in the town 
that uh, that represents the city of Youngstown on on a nationwide level. That's really cool. So so tell us about your accomplishments in racing. We've won just about everything you could imagine. Uh, we've run we've won in over ten classes of competition between my dad and me. And, you know, world championships, wins on big stages and platforms. And every year it's a continual basis. My dad started his career as very successful at the local level, expanded to a regional level, was very successful and ended up on a national level. His nickname's actually world famous, if you could believe that or not. <laughs> he doesn't look too world famous, does he? And uh, actually back in the 70s and 80s, there was no way to get in publications uh, other than being recognized amongst the country and the world as being one of the top drivers and race teams. So we would go to races and people would bring magazines and say, hey, did you see us in Hot Rod Magazine or Superstock Magazine or this night? We had no idea because a lot of those publications weren't in Youngstown, Ohio, and they would come by asking for autographs and bring us copies. And it just grew and grew and grew. So we're one of the heaviest marketed teams in the sport of drag racing, and uh, we take great pride in that. So it's, it, with that comes great uh, honor of representing some amazing companies with our race program and uh, like great associates like Salt Life. We see them all over the country. It doesn't matter if we're up north in the Midwest. We see Salt Life decals and apparel everywhere at the truck stops. Yeah, you, you always see the stickers. Always see the oh, stickers yeah. and yep. always see the apparel, especially up north. People up north will, will work 51 weeks a year just to spend one week at the beach and they got pictures and memories forever just of that one experience at the beach. And uh, that may be the only trip they get with their family in a lifetime. Yeah. I'm here in the office now and uh, looking at the pictures and stuff on all back in the late seventies and early eighties, I was setting super stock world records. I drove a super stock car and set numerous world records with our super stock car. Then I got hired to drive a fuel alder for a guy out of Canton, Ohio and run, ran the IHRA circuit, and we set the world record with this four-cylinder fuel-injected altered. So we've set world wow. records. We've won world championships. We've won races. We've been on every TV sh show. We were the intro on ESPN back when ESPN did all the NHRA drag racing. And we were on when the show came on, our car was the intro car blowing the hood scoop off of it in a big ball of flame. Not what we wanted to be on ESPN doing. It was an expensive, <laughs> it was pretty expensive for what it did, but they filmed the whole race and then they spliced into all the excitement because, you know, in NASCAR, they're always showing crashes. Well, there's not too many crashes in drag racing, but a nice big, a nice explosion. That was good to start the ESPN broadcast with. That's epic. That's so rad. <laughs> when you when you guys aren't racing and uh, just at home, what are you guys doing to live the salt life? We love fishing. I mean, every time we get a chance okay. to go fishing, we go fishing. And in fact, uh, we're right on the north coast where it's the walleye capital of the world. And that's one of the, the greatest tasting freshwater fish you'll ever have. And it's gold around here. So we go walleye fishing up on Lake Erie. And then when we can't get up to Lake Erie, which is about an hour away from the home, we go bass fishing in the ponds, and we catch all kind of crazy uh, fish. In fact, this past weekend at Virginia Motorsports Park, they have a pond in front of their campgrounds, and we went in there in between rounds of competition and after our test day and went fishing and caught some teethy fish, I should say, that we had no idea what they were. So <laughs> we threw in, caught these fish, went to lip them like a bass, and next thing you knew, uh, you couldn't do that because they were chomping down. So luckily we had some plastic pliers in there. And in fact, we spent so much time in Virginia racing. We went to Virginia beach this year for a little mini vacation in between two races and 
got to pure fish with some of the, the great Salt Lake Nation, a lot of Salt Lake fans up there. And once they recognized we were up there, we were doing autographs on the pier and you name it. Yeah. So it was kind of cool to do. And we caught some That's so uh, fun. Not so big fish, but we caught a lot of variety of fish off the pier and got to see two uh, stingrays reeled in, which were pretty intense because it was cobia season. They were trying to go for cobia. And then right at 1130 at night, we saw about a five and a half foot shark reeled in and they basketed it up right up to the pier. It's kind of cool to see that on the pier as well. Where's your favorite saltwater fishing? Uh, Key West, hands down. Yeah, My yeah. parents are there right now. Yeah, Key West or Tampa's not bad either. Tampa Bay area. Okay. We we, we went red fit. We, we fished for redfish in Tampa Bay, which was cool. But every other year we try to get back to the Key West area. It's amazing. Yeah, it's just it's it's its own world. It's its own. It, it's just you start living the Jimmy Buffett, Kenny Chesney music, and you start living it. You get the vibe down there in Key West, and you can live it. But it's funny because that is the Salt Life capital right there. I mean, you got you got yeah. the, the Salt Life just put a brand new store down at Key West. Yeah, and it's cool. And we've been to the store in Tampa. We did a personal appearance at the Tampa store. We were in Tampa. And the employees just come on in, and it's just like they all know about us. They all follow us. So thank thank you, Salt Life Nation, for following drag racing. We got to get you guys to a race and get you guys uh, out of your out of the umbrella drinks and get you to a cold beer and a drag race. <laughs> <laughs> so we went fishing That's with so Captain epic. Rob Gorda down in Tampa, who's also a fellow teammate uh, of Salt Life. Yep. And it was uh, quite the experience because we went out, you know, early in the morning and tide was low. We went out for redfish and they just had suffered the red tide the year before and we ended up cleaning house. It was hot and we were reeling for a couple hours. Like we had three pulls going between the both of us. And as soon as you reel in after about a six to eight minute fight, got the rub. Here's his next one. Bring it in. So we were <laughs> we were going back and forth, looking at each other, wondering if this and this would ever end. You know, it was still the coolest experience. And then we saw some wild stuff go down. I think we actually saw a dolphin uh, massacre a redfish, which was pretty intense. We didn't know they were such wow. a violent uh, mammal. And then we all <laughs> we also uh, may have hooked a uh, pelican. Wow. And reeled that, and that was kind of wild. We didn't know that the, that they were such scavengers. Quite the dive trip. Bomb. Yeah, they were dive bombing huh. the bait, and yeah, end up hooking it. Oh, they're crazy. Yeah, they're they're everywhere. They're crazy. Two years ago, we were at Darlington racing. It's so a Ryan went bass fishing at the pond at Darlington, and, and he comes out, and the guys go, "Where were you at, Ryan?" He goes, "I'm down the pond." He goes, "You know, there's alligators in that pond." Nah, I didn't know alligators in that pond. So the next year, he goes back down there. He's going to go fishing again. Them guys are telling him. There's three alligators in this pond in South Carolina. And I said, they said they come out in the daylight and they sun themselves on the drag strip when there's no cars. There's actually three alligators in this pond. So we, we, now we're done fishing for, for bass in the alligator pond at uh, Darlington Raceway. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would do. Except I did swim with alligators one time in Florida. That was pretty fun. Wow. On purpose? That was scary. <laughs> Yeah, we yeah. Chris Gillette took me out. Uh, he has like a big. He's part of Salt Life too, yeah. and he has a big farm out there. So we went swimming with them, and it was so scary, but it was so much fun. I was frothing the whole time. <laughs> I think we'd go with sharks before we went with alligators. Oh, I want to go swim with sharks. That'd be I pretty cool. Swim with sharks, that'd be fun. Where's your guys' favorite vacation spot? Well, going back to Tampa. Tampa's great, but Key West is just. It just. 
I can listen to Kenny Chesney in the truck all day long. It drives Ryan crazy, but I'm a, I'm always in beach mode. I'm driving my salt truck in a snowstorm, 20 below zero, and I got my Sirius satellite on it. Kenny Chesney or Jimmy Buffett's on the radio. So I, I definitely love the island life. Yeah, it really is amazing out there. We're, t- we're in anywhere warm and, and beachy. It's just, you know, racing all year and then dealing with the, the treacherous winters up here up north and, the, you know, foot after foot of snow and sub-zero it's good to get the yeah. escape. And, you know, I love the Florida area all the way up the East Coast. And we've got the fortunate opportunity to race in Englishtown, New Jersey. And it's somewhere where we want to go back to as well. I mean, it's from the coast down all the way to Florida and around. We've been to the beaches down there in Texas and Galveston all the way across. And uh, you can't complain when you're at the beach. Yeah, we've done to be thankful for. We've done Orlando. We've done Daytona. Yep. But Key West is just... There's no clocks in Key West. I know it's it's rad, and they don't get hurricane or uh, tornado warnings. No, they get hurricanes. <laughs> they get hurricanes, but no tornado warnings. Yeah, no, no, no the hur- I'd rather have a tornado than a hurricane. See, I was just in a hurricane in in Mexico like last week, and I was oh. like, oh, that was kind of fun, whatever. <laughs> really? But it was it was quick. Yeah, I don't tornadoes scare me, dude. Wizard of Oz, that that movie. Yeah. Oh my no god, no place like home. I don't want to get sucked up into a tornado. <laughs> And they just come out of like yesterday that storm come up and we got headphones on and we're doing doing the show and my wife's tapping on the door she's going there's a tornado warning there's I said, whatever we raced to Michigan one time and a tornado came through <laughs> they had pop two boats going over to trailers oh yeah it was yeah that wasn't good you, oh dude you don't want to be living in a camper when a tornado comes by because you know what they do to campers and 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 campgrounds oh they destroy them oh yeah so that was that was shaky being in a motorhome and a tornado warning and the thunderstorm. Nah, we've probably experienced everything you can for uh, going to the races, like traveling to Pennsylvania six weeks ago. We blew a radiator going up a mountain. Oh, we God. spent the whole night getting everything towed back home to get it fixed. It next day, air a radiator from Utah back to Ohio so we can leave back oh, so we can turn around and go back to the race. Whatever it takes to win wow. a championship, though. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know they had radiators in Utah for, for motorhomes. <laughs> I bet I bet you they have a, quite a few there. I mean, Utah is packed with people traveling around, mountain biking, and I mean that makes sense to me. Yeah, but it, we couldn't find one closer closer to Ohio. They, they found one in Utah. I said, "Ship," and he says, "You know what it costs to ship that radiator?" I said, "Just ship it. We need a radiator. We got to be in." Just don't talk to me. Don't even tell me how much it no, costs. No, just, just get it to my freaking doorstep. They said it'll be here. Well, you guys will be on the road Friday at six o'clock. Friday at six o'clock, we're, we're, we're hooked to the trailer and headed to Pennsylvania. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. So, yeah. The, the motorhome. It's all fun. It's the stories are so fun. Oh, yeah. They're, everybody you race with's got some kind of a tow story or a horror story or or a bad hotel story. Everybody's been before we had motorhomes. We all used to go to hotels and bars and restaurants all night. And it, it, the stories yeah. used to get, you know, you, you watch them old Delmer Hurt movies and like Smokey and the Bandit and that, them guys running across the country. We used to tow across the country like Smokey and the Bandit to get to a race on time. And you'd have six <laughs> guys like a freight train running 70, 80 miles across the road. Been there, That's done so that. Bad. Now it's like Talladega Nights. <laughs> that movie's so good. It's good. How long have you guys been a part of Salt Life? Salt Life, we started the partnership in 2015. Okay. And it just continued to grow and grow and grow. And a lot of people come up to us and ask, how do you 
couple guys from up north end up with a salt life partnership and you know we explained to them that there's a ton of people living the salt life up here and it, it's true everywhere we go we do a lot of work with uh the aquariums up in cleveland and the local zoos in the akron uh cleveland area and they're all living the salt life nation and it just continued to grow so a lot of our teammates represent you know the west coast all the way down across texas and all the way across the east coast in florida and it's just an honor to carry the weight of the Salt Lake Nation up north in the Midwest. And then it just Absolutely. it continues to grow. And the more that uh, we continue to expand with our partnership and you know branch off into YouTube videos, everybody always has a Salt Life story to share with us. You know, we had mentioned earlier about families going to the beach and you know, a couple of families, you know, they would break down and cry because they saved up for four or five years to go to the beach, just spend two or three days at the beach and those are memories that they'll have forever. They got little bottles of sand pictures in their phone, just filling it up. So we always enjoy spending time with these folks when they stop by to see us at the racetrack or a personal appearance. And uh, they're always bragging when they get salt life gear too. They're always sending us pictures and videos and we celebrate shark week every year. <laughs> That's so cool. And shark week gets pretty intense That's around awesome. here because we have a mascot that we named shark Tino and we carry him around for the week and everybody gets all into the shark week. and. We started that back in, I think, 2008 or 2009 as a joke because one of our sponsors, k and came out with a scoop that was designed like a shark fin. So we took a couple pictures jokingly with the scoop backwards on his back like a shark fin lined up with this soon-to-be mascot, Sharktino, going head-to-head. -head. And everybody just fell in love with this Sharktino, so we kept them around, and it's evolved into a decal line every year. We come up with a different theme shark for Shark Week, and <laughs> it's fitting with uh, – with the Salt Life partnership as well, because they have a lot of great apparel featuring sharks and we have the great white decal yep. on the race car. I love it. That's awesome. Well, you guys give yourself some shout outs on Instagram or YouTube or whatever you have. And uh, I'll let you guys get set free so you can go start prepping your car. Prepping the car. We're more like prepping for snow. It's about 40 degrees outside right now. So we're wearing <laughs> these Salt Life hoodies and uh, enjoying the Salt Life in the cold. So our, our social media, yeah. you can find us on every form of social media out there. Uh, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Martino Motorsports, and on Twitter, at Martino Racing. Feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions, racing-related, salt life-related, or anything just in general. We up those, update those sites multiple times throughout the day on a weekly basis. So we're on there two or three times a day posting videos and photos. And uh, actually, Salt Life's got us hooked up with TikTok, I think two years ago, the team at Salt Life says, you guys got to get on this. So we decided to take the leap. And uh, over the past year and a half, uh, we've become the face of TikTok. And in fact, we were down in North Carolina racing early this year. And this little kid was real shy and was peeking around the corner. And I went up to him and said, what's going on? He says, ain't you that kid from TikTok? I said, no. <laughs> now you know we're getting a global reach when you got people and families coming up to you that are just fans and first-time oh, people at the racetrack that are coming to the racetrack to see a race that never been to a drag race. So that's kind of cool. And that's awesome. we're having fun with the outfit of the day post with Salt Life changing outfits. So you never know what's going to pop up on TikTok on our social media. And we do a, I love it. a lot of the guys we race with, they have teenage daughters and teenage sons and We'll have a, a, a party at the trailer. They'll have a birthday. So we always buy them Salt Life t-shirts and Salt Life apparel for their birthdays so they can. Oh, that's awesome. We, 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 could, set the, we could set the mode all right so that they'll get the Salt Life apparel. I love it. That's awesome. We're going to have to get out west sometime and go surfing with you. Yeah, I know. And I need to come come up to Ohio so I can go drag 
or at least just watch. There you go. I can't drive the car, but we'll take you walleye fishing. I want to check it out. Let's do it. That sounds amazing. Yeah, anytime you need anything up north, you want to you want to see snow or you want to see a snowplow full of salt. Let me know. We can send you pictures. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, boys. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hey. It's been a pleasure. Hey, you too. All right, everybody. Thanks again for watching Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast and listening in. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this podcast, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. Stay salty. Phew.